Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who got to go to an NFL game last weekend, Ben O'Brien. How are you doing? Yes, Trevor, and not only did I get to go to an NFL game, I got to go to one of the best NFL games of the year so far. Um, and I'll just say it was a good time. I had a great time. Um, not, and I'm not even saying that because the Bengals beat the Chiefs, no big deal, 3-0 and in the last calendar year, um, not to brag or anything like that, but uh, it was just a great game, and it, it's cool, like, I'm such, like, a sucker for, I don't even care if I like the teams or not, but if it's just a fun atmosphere, like, it's so much more enjoyable to watch a sporting event when, like, everyone in the building is truly, like, invested in the outcome of the game, and even if, like, you're an away fan, and you're at a, you're at a, in, like, a, a venue or an event where everyone's rooting against you, it's still cool to watch, like, 65,000 people um, all be really invested in, in the outcome of the game, so it was a great time. It was, a, it was totally worth it. Um, my only Bengals game I've been to this year, and I think I picked a good one to go to, so absolutely um, an enjoyable experience for me, mainly because the Bengals won, but also just because it was a fantastic NFL game, one of the best ones we've seen this year so far. Yeah, I mean, you picked the, I, you probably picked the absolute best game you could have possibly picked yeah. to go to. I mean, what, what was the atmosphere like? I mean, the fans had to be, like, going crazy. It was insane, and, like, and I've been, I, I've been fortunate enough, like, I went to, like, three Bengals games last year, and whenever they win, it's cool. Like, people are excited, but, like, you could genuinely feel, like, the enthusiasm and, like, the optimism for this season now, because for, for multiple weeks, the Bengals were struggling, and it looked like, ah, this team is totally going to be below what, what the expectations for, were, you know, what, what they, the expectations were this year for them. Um, I think this was really the first week where people were back to like, okay, this is the exact Bengals team, or this is the Bengals team that we thought we were going to see week one. It took however many games, 11 games, to, to get to where we are, but we feel like we are actually where we belong. We feel like we've proven now that we are one of the best teams in the NFL. So um, insane atmosphere. I mean, they have like a, uh, they do this thing that's called ruler, ruler of the Jungle, which is, every team does. It's just like, you get like a celebrity or someone to like pump up the crowd before the game starts. Um, and I don't know who they were. It was like, a, it was like two wrestling people. But, like, the dude, like, before the game was talking so much trash, like, on the microphone in front of 65,000 people about Patrick Mahomes. Um, and he was saying how he wants Patrick Mahomes to, like, be afraid for his life and how he wants him to, like, pee his pants and all this stupid stuff. Um, and it, it just kind of showed, like, how genuinely, like, invested and how much hatred there really was for the Chiefs going into that game. So, um, yeah, awesome game, awesome outcome. Anytime you get a chance to see Patrick Mahomes play in, in person, it, it's such a cool experience. It was my first time I got to see him play in person. Um, and just the Chiefs in general are fun to watch because, like, he's he's cool to watch on TV, but his like like the speed at which he plays the game and the speed at which he makes decisions in real life is just it's insane to watch it. Um, and 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 make him you know see him make those reads and stuff. I mean, obviously, I, I've been very high on him. I, I think he's absolutely the best quarterback in the NFL. So to see that in person was really a really cool experience. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I'm I'm kind of jealous. I I would have loved to gone to that game with you. Um, I'm I'm sure it would have been. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's one of the best games you've ever seen, I bet, because that's just yeah, absolutely. sounds absolutely awesome. But uh, today we have, we have a lot of good things to get into. We'll get into the NFL near the end, um, but today we're going to start off with college basketball. Um, another, again, there, there continues to be upsets, like, you know, all these undefeated teams, suddenly they're, they're dwindling. I think yesterday we were at like eight or nine. We've lost a couple more. Uh, like Houston, they were undefeated. They lost. Texas was undefeated. They lost back on Tuesday. Um, so we continue to see more and more of these undefeated teams lose. Um, you know, it's pretty wild. Usually we get to, um, I think a lot of times usually we get to like maybe early January before all of the undefeated teams are gone. This year, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we had all of the undefeated teams gone before the end of 2022. That would not surprise me because um, this year has been pretty crazy so far. A lot of upsets. Um, and one of those, I, I guess you can call it, well, it was an upset. So we'll talk about one of the upsets first, which was Illinois beating Texas. Um, I was very excited for this game um, just because I've watched both these teams play before earlier in the year. Um, so now them playing each other, they played in Madison Square Garden for the G Jimmy V Classic, um, which was very awesome. The Jimmy V Classic was, um, you know, it, it had two different games. It had this game. It also had Duke and Iowa um, as the, the night game. But this is the game that I was really so interested in. And Illinois, they came out with the win in overtime, 85 to 78. But, you know, Texas was leading this game for a while. They had the lead 
for most of the game and Texas their you know their identity is really built around this like defensive intensity that they play with they're one of these um there's a couple other teams just like this we'll talk about Houston a little bit later um they they probably you know emphasize the defensive intensity the most of maybe any team but Texas is another team that they play really well on defense their guards really are disruptive they make you uncomfortable they force steals turnovers they get it on, on the fast break um and they get going and uh you know Texas they were playing really well like I said they had the lead for a lot of the game but Illinois they were able to stay within striking distance um in the second half and they were able to kind of build a run and I, I think for Illinois they're they're a super fun team but I I was kind of looking a lot at like the lineups they were playing with um, you know, they've been playing a lot of lineups. Obviously, you always are going to have Terrence Shannon out there, regardless of whether he's shooting well or not. He's, you know, he's the best player on the team. You're always going to have him out there. Uh, you got Matthew Meyer, who had a really good game in this one. He was, I mean, confidence just like through the roof. Uh, kind of like I was, you know, I was watching Clay Thompson last night with the Warriors, and I was like, man, this guy's confidence is absolutely unshakable. It doesn't matter if he's 0 for 10. Clay Thompson's going to keep shooting. I think Matthew Meyer's a little bit like that. But when he sees, but I think it's kind of like a, another thing that Clay, Clay has is like, he sees one go in and he's coming down the court and he's firing another one up. And that's what Matthew Meyer was doing for Illinois. Um, he was five of five from three. He had 21 points in this game against Texas. He was absolutely awesome, especially in that first half. But w- back to the lineup thing I was talking about, I feel like Illinois played a lot better when they inserted Jaden Epps kind of as the point guard, the player to run the show versus Sky Clark. Um, both of these guys are freshmen. They're both young. And I think Illinois, they kind of have like their front court kind of figured out. But I think it's mostly that point guard spot that's kind of a question mark. And in this game, I was more impressed with Jay Epps than Sky Clark. I think that Epps is more of like a stabilizing presence. He kind of slows down the pace and really enables Illinois to get better shots by, you know, taking their time running the offense, um, and, and getting more efficient offense, whereas Sky Clark, I felt in this game, was a little erratic, or a little erratic. He was forcing up some shots um, and stuff like that. So they did take him out after a while, and they um, inserted Jay Nepps, who played a lot of uh, the, the second half and overtime, and that's kind of how Illinois went on this run and was able to win in overtime. And then in overtime, Terrence Shannon came alive after a slow start and, and really you know kind of caught fire, I guess, in that overtime period. And that's what separated them against Texas. Um, with Texas, Timmy Allen, he was very good in this game. Uh, one of my favorite players, Tyrese Hunter, had a little bit of a, you know, it was kind of an off night for him. It wasn't the best night for him. He only had 10 points, uh, seven rebounds in this game. Um, but I, I got to be a little critical of Marcus Carr in this one because Marcus Carr, he was 3 of 14. He had nine points. And Marcus Carr, he's he's another player kind of like uh I think last year in the tournament, I talked about like Caleb Love with North Carolina, how like it's very hot and cold. He can have a game where, you know, he's like, he comes out, he's your microwave scorer and he's playing very well. He's making shots, but if he's missing shots, he's not necessarily doing a lot um, of other things to make up for that. It's kind of very dependent on, is he making shots or not? And Marcus Carr, he was missing, you know, a decent, a lot of shots. He was three for 14. He was forcing up some tough ones, and I think that was part of what cost Texas uh, this game in the end. Um, but nevertheless, both of these teams are still really good. Um, I know Illinois did lose yesterday at home to Penn State, but I still feel like they're a very good team, uh, very solid. But again, Terrence Shannon, he he started off the year very well. He's had a couple games now where he's not shooting quite as well, so you know Illinois is going to need him to pick that back up, be a little bit more of a consistent presence. If Illinois does want to, you know, reach what I assume would be their goal of winning the Big Ten, um, and then obviously, hopefully, making a run in the national champ or in the NCAA tournament. So, really good game there. Um, I also want to go to Alabama, Houston. Another little upset here. Alabama beats Houston on the road. This game was absolutely awesome. Now it was a little ugly at times, just because both of these teams, especially Houston are so focused on defense. It's really what they're built around, and they make the opposing guards super uncomfortable. That's what they do. Jamal Shedd, Marcus Sasser, uh, Tremont Mark, like, that's what these guys do. Even Jairus Walker, who's the big man, a five-star freshman, he even got in the action. He had a couple steals. One of them, he went coast to coast. 
So Jairus Walker, um, I, w- I was pretty impressed with him at times um, on the defensive end, especially and getting rebounds. Um, you know, he's a guy who's supposed to be like a first round pick in the NBA draft. So I, I was glad to get a closer look on him. And then, uh, you know, Alabama, they also have some draft prospects, uh, including like Brandon Miller, who had a little bit of an off night. So this was a really fun game. Number one for like, just in general, college basketball. These are two top 10 teams. These are two teams I expect to be in the picture when we get closer to March. And then also, it's just a good game if you're like mainly an NBA fan and you want to see like, okay, who's my team going to draft? Looking at a game like Bama and Houston, there's like three or four guys that are probably going to be in the draft at least. So a very fun game there. But I think both these teams, you know, the the coaching, the defensive schemes of Kelvin Sampson and uh, Nate Oates, they did a really good job of neutralizing what the other team was good at. Houston really did a great job on Brandon Miller. They forced him into turnovers. And, you know, Bama did a good job. I mean, Marcus Sasser, who's, you know, normally Houston's best player, he had an off game. So very interesting stuff there. Um, Ben, I I wanted to uh, get some of your thoughts, I guess, on Houston. This was our, both of our, we agree, this was our preseason national title pick. They were undefeated up until this point. They suffered their first loss. Uh, what, what are, what are your thoughts on Houston? Um, you know, do, do you have any doubt creeped in after this loss or what do you think? No, Trevor, I'm actually, I'm actually more confident in, in Houston's ability now that, that they've taken this loss. I mean, you can ask anyone, Trevor, you can ask Gonzaga from two years ago. You can't go into the, into the tournament undefeated. It's just a, it's a recipe for disaster. You got to lose a game. You got to show that you are capable of bouncing back from adversity um, and that's exactly what my Cougs here are going to do after they take a tough loss to, you know, a, a notable basketball school in, in the University of Alabama. So um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not worried, obviously. And if we're being like, if I'm being completely serious here, like, I mean, it's December. Like, Alabama's a top 10 team. You lost at home. You'll be okay. Um, they're a really good team. They're they're very good at, at making the game ugly and, and, and I like to say mucking it up. Um, that's kind of what we've talked about this, but that's what, that's what Kelvin Sampson does better than anyone. Um, he does a great job of, of playing to his strengths and, and making the game ugly to where Houston has the edge, and, and they're very good at making the other team play the game that they want to play. Um, and yes, maybe not the case yesterday against Alabama, but I think they will be totally okay. Uh, I'm glad they lost. They, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, more stressful than, than going into the, uh, the NCAA tournament with no losses. So now that they have a loss, I expect them to run the table. They'll go like I don't know forty and one this year, and they'll be the national champs. And we're we're both going to look like geniuses predicting that in November. So um, they'll be just fine. I'm not worried about it. Kelvin Sampson is a fantastic coach. He's probably a top ten coach in the sport. Um, he's been like that for a long time. He's got shooters. He's got big guys. They can run the floor. Um, like I said, defensively they're fantastic. So they have everything you need to to be a be a solid um, contender in college basketball today. So they will have, absolutely be okay. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about them one bit. Yeah, I I mean, I mostly agree. I mean, their defense is definitely, you know, either the best defense or one of the top defenses. I think I, I think so far I would have expected a little bit more from Marcus Sasser. I mean, I was expecting, you know, in, in conjunction with like him, with Houston being like my title pick, I thought Marcus Sasser had a real shot at like being the Naismith player of the year. And he's come out of the gates a little bit slow, you know, comparing his numbers to last year. They're a little down, especially his efficiency numbers. I think last year he shot about 43% from three. This year he's down to about 29, 30%. So got to get that up. I want to see more improvement from Marcus Sasser, um, you know, scoring the ball. But I, I still do have a lot of faith in Houston. Um, a few other games just to mention quickly. Uh, we had a big game that's kind of like a, a renewed rivalry, I guess you could say, in Kansas-Missouri. Obviously these teams aren't in the same conference anymore. But, you know, it was just a game I was kind of watching to see what happened because Missouri was still undefeated, um, and obviously Kansas is one of the best teams. I thought Missouri, you know, they were at home. I was hoping maybe they'd be able to keep it closer, but Kansas made a statement in this game. I mean, they, they absolutely demolished Missouri 95-67 to on the road. And, like, yeah, Missouri was undefeated, but if you look at their schedule, the, it wasn't exactly the, the toughest opponents that they were playing, so... They finally have to go up against a really good Kansas team, and uh, Kansas just uh, completely uh, demolished them in that one. Um, we also had Auburn-Memphis. Auburn, another yeah. undefeated team going down to Memphis, and 
you know, another team in the American Conference in Memphis that's really good. Obviously, we we love Houston. We you know, mo- like most people, we expect Houston to win this conference. But you know, I wouldn't sleep on Memphis. I think Memphis is definitely the second best team in that American Conference, and uh, you know, they're they're really solid. They're a team um, I'm kind of watching out for. Um, we also had Arizona, Indiana, a big game. You know, Arizona ranked 10th, Indiana ranked 14th. Arizona wins this one, 89 to 75. Um, Arizona, just again, I, I, I've talked about Arizona, you know, before this year. I think we talked about them a couple weeks ago. Last year, I loved their team. I still love their team. I think Tommy Lloyd has just done a fabulous job so far. Um, you know, still early, you know, coaching as a head coach with Arizona. And they still are so talented. I have a lot of faith in this Arizona team. They're ranked 10th now. Again, Houston's my title pick, but if I'm looking at other teams that I think also have a shot, Arizona is certainly one of them. I, I really like this Arizona team. And, you know, their only stumble so far this year was that loss to Utah. They're they're really good. Um, but those are, you know, I guess the games I wanted to take away. Um, anything else, maybe any other games you wanted to mention, um, or any other takeaways from college basketball, Ben? I just want to say one thing, and um, I said this last week, but like I, I have not watched a lot of college basketball. Once the NFL season's over, I will, I will lock more into college basketball. But um, I just want to give a shout out to three, three schools in that are in the top ten that I cannot believe at this point. I guess we're going to call them basketball schools. We got Texas, Tennessee and Alabama are all in the top 10 in basketball. And not that they haven't been good before, but I mean, those are very much historically football schools. But at this point, I, th- I think all three might as well just call them. We might as well just call them basketball schools, Trevor. I mean, there's really like, who are we kidding? And yes, Tennessee football is back, whatever. But um, I mean, I think we should just call them basketball schools at this point. One thing I was just thinking of Trevor with Alabama beating Texas this week, is there a chance and I'm just assuming that this is the first time maybe ever this is going to happen, but is, is there a chance that Alabama's basketball team will be ranked higher than Alabama's football team? I think that's a possibility. Because what's their football team, like five or six? Do you think, do you think Alabama in, in basketball is going to be a top-five team after this week, after beating uh, Houston? Not Texas, sorry, Houston. So, so Alabama's ranked fifth in football. Um, before this game against Houston, they were ranked eighth. They just beat Houston. They yeah. still are a one-loss team. So if I'm looking across the board, I mean, I think, I mean, Virginia's still undefeated. So Virginia, I would, I would guess would be number one. So you have Virginia, you have Purdue, you have UConn, I believe, um, that are all still undefeated. Um, so those are kind of the top three. Then you'll have Kansas. And then, I mean, it depends. I, I think Alabama could be fifth. Um, yeah, I, I think they might be fifth. I mean, Tennessee plays Maryland today, which is another really good game. Um, Maryland. Uh, Tennessee, yeah, that'll be a solid game. But I think Alabama has a chance to to be maybe fifth, is what I would say, which would I'm land them as, as the same as as the football team. So I would say right around right around fifth, sixth. I I would say for Alabama, I'm pulling for it, and it's such a stupid thing to root for. But at this point, like I don't know, I think it'd be kind of interesting to be like, yeah, Alabama's basketball team's better than their football team. They're ranked higher because um, I don't <laughs> think I've ever been able to say that before. So I think that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely, it would be a lot of fun. Um, next we will move on to a little bit of college, uh, football. Really, um, we just had the Heisman Trophy last night. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to go over the Army Navy game. Um, I, I did not watch it. I, I don't know if it was a good game or not, but I know that happened. But we're here to talk about the Heisman Trophy, uh, winner. Uh, Caleb Williams wins the award for USC. Obviously, he's had, you know, a spectacular year outside of a couple, you know, just a couple losses to Utah there, but still really great year for Caleb Williams. And looking at the voting here, uh, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast, kind of a runaway win here for Caleb Williams. He got 544 first place votes. Um, There were, I believe, 870 total uh, voters, 870 uh, members of the media. Or actually, no, no, I'm wrong. There's uh, 929 electors, 929. Um, So a lot of votes go to Caleb Williams there for first place. He wins in a little bit of a runaway. Rounding out the top five there, you had Max Dugan finishing in second, CJ Stroud third, Stetson Bennett in fourth, and then Hendon Hooker was uh, fifth in this one. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think Caleb Williams was the right pick here. Um, he played well throughout the entire season. I mean, yes, Max Dugan in TCU, he really had a standout year. You can look at that. C.J. Stroud had a really solid year, but then obviously you have the Michigan game. You have a couple other games where 
Maybe he's not playing quite as well. Um, you have some of these other guys like Bryce Young goes down with an injury. Hendon Hooker goes down with an injury. Blake Corum, another one. So it's a little bit of a weird year just because some of the top picks, maybe if you go back to like September, some of these guys got hurt and kind of fell out of uh, you know contention a little bit. So overall, I think Caleb Williams was the right pick here. Uh, what, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, you're, you're right. It kind of was a weird year. And um, I remember at one point, like in October this year, I remember thinking, I was like, I have no idea who's even like the favorite. Um, and usually by October, usually, you know, by like week five, six of the college football season, you have an idea of, of who is, all right, this, this guy or this guy, they seem like they're, they're on the trajectory. They're having a good year. Um, if they keep this up. They will absolutely be in the conversation. Um, and it really wasn't until like maybe the last month or so that I feel like Caleb Williams name kind of jumped to the top and he, he had been in the conversation all year, but down the stretch when, like you said, you had other guys like Bryce Young that have kind of dropped off and even uh, Clemson's quarterback dropped off a little bit. Now he's transferring, but um, Caleb Williams made the most sense. I, I think most people assumed he'd win. Um, it, I don't know his stats, but I know he has stats worthy of a Heisman Trophy winner, which at this point in today's society, that's what it is. I mean, it's basically comes down to which quarterback has the best, best stats mm-hmm. in the country. Um, so I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a whole lot of complaints. Um, I, I kind of expected CJ Stroud to take second place. I was, I was surprised to see Max Dugan from TCU take, take that second place spot. Not that it matters at all, but, um, I do think that that last game against Michigan for, for CJ Stroud, where he looked abysmal pretty much the entire game. I think that did play an impact on, on the voters there. Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, congratulations to Caleb Williams. I, I, in my opinion, like you said, Trevor, in your opinion, I think he deserved it. He had fantastic stats. He had a great year. Obviously not good enough to make the playoffs, but um, he'll be back next year apparently. They're going to be probably just as good next year because they still have a fantastic coach, and that's just giving him more time to develop this team. So um, keep uh, keep uh, Caleb Williams on the watch for next year because he absolutely will, absolutely will be into the uh, conversation for the Heisman next year going into uh, the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's going to be you know kind of interesting to see next year. Because it, it's kind of like, now you could almost put it like it's the same thing as Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young last year, as a sophomore, yeah. he won the Heisman. And, I mean, I, I, I think he was the favorite coming into this year. So, I mean, I would oh, yeah. expect that Caleb Williams probably is going to go into next season as the favorite. But as we know, there's usually always things that happen. Like, maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't play as well. And usually repeating his Heisman trophy. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't think of... Can you think of anyone that's done that, Ben? I, I certainly can't off the top Didn't of my head. The, uh, who's the only dude that won it twice? And there's going to be Ohio State fans that are killing me. Didn't Archie Griffin win it twice? I I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head right now. But it, uh, I, I just know that it's very hard to do. And we have so many instances where, like, there's a sophomore that wins, and then he returns because, you know, you have to play three years, obviously. So he returns, yeah. he's the favorite, and then for whatever reason, he, he doesn't win again. It's just so hard to win back-to-back, you know? Um, yes, Archie Griffin won it two years in a row, 74 and 75. So I know there's an Ohio nice. State fan listening that makes us, that thinks we're so stupid for not knowing that. But, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it seems like it happens every year where if you have an underclassman that wins it, they're always the favorite going into the next year, and they never, they never play as well, which, again, like, it's almost impossible to, to play at a Heisman level two years in a row. But um, it seems like that's happened a lot recently where we've had younger players win it. And they have all this hype going into the next year, and they just something happens. Their team's not as good. They have an injury. Something weird happens. Um, that was absolutely the case with with Bryce Young this year. He, he had an injury, and he was just clearly off after that injury all year. So um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, even a down year for Caleb Williams, if it were to happen next year, is still better than most college quarterbacks. So um, he will absolutely be the favorite, rightfully so, going into next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next up, we're gonna move on to a little bit of NBA. Um, today we're kind of gonna, we're kind of gonna focus a little bit more on the Western Conference. I think, you know, in the past few weeks, maybe we've leaned a little bit more to the Eastern Conference. So today I wanted to focus solely on the Western Conference, the big picture, because, um, there's really no team that stands out. That's like, this team is definitely the best team in the West. There, there is no team like that. I mean, looking at the standings, uh, you got the Pelicans right now sitting in first, but then you have a Grizzlies, a half game back. You got the Nuggets, the Suns, the Sacramento Kings, the Portland Trailblazers. And you can go all the way back to like the Dallas Mavericks who are sitting at 10th in the West. They're only four and a half games up back from the Pelicans who sit first. So there's really not a ton of separation in terms of, you know, figuring out who the top teams are in the West. There's a big jumble right now and it's been kind of switching. It's been 
you know, kind of changing um, pretty often. So I think the West is really interesting. I, I do think it's clear who kind of the couple worst teams in the West are. I think the Spurs and the Rockets are very much so the the worst two teams um, in the conference, although the Spurs have won two straight, but that was after losing, I think, 11 straight. So the Spurs said at 8-18, eight the, the Rockets are at 7-18. I think they're very solidly at the bottom, right? They're going to be in the race for that number one pick. They're looking at the Victor Webanyama film. They're watching Scoot Henderson over in the G League, and they're saying, oh, this is interesting. We could we can insert this on the team. I think they're already starting to think about it a little bit. Um, but at the top, I think I, I think I'll, I guess I'll start with the team who is currently in first. That's the New Orleans Pelicans because the Pelicans, they have won six straight um, they've looked really good, and this is, you know, all while Brandon Ingram has been missing um, a decent amount of games here. They haven't been at full strength. Um, th- you know, there's been times where maybe Zion was out of the lineup, but, you know, you had Ingram and, and the rest of the guys, or I think McCollum missed a few games. Now we're, you know, kind of over a stretch where, okay, Zion's back and he's amazing, but Brandon Ingram's not back, right? And all the while, the Pelicans are first in the West, so I think it's really impressive that they've managed to do that. Um, they had a big win over Phoenix on Friday, um, in which, you know, at the end you had the whole uh, Zion has the windmill dunk. The, a couple of the Suns players are a little upset about this, um, which is just super interesting. Um, I, I would love to see a little bit of a rivalry come out of Pelicans Suns there from that. But the Pelicans look really good. Zion, I think in the last... I think four or five games, he's averaging about 30 points per game, um, as always, very efficiently, about 65% from the field, I want to say. So he's playing really well. He's doing, I think, a lot of the stuff that coming out of college we were anticipating him doing. He's he's doing that now. So that's very good to see. And you look at some of these other pieces, even without Ingram in the lineup, I mean, CJ McCollum, we, we kind of know what he is. He's a known commodity. Yeah. He's a very solid guy on the ball, can run around screens. He's a good shooter. He's a good creator for others. We kind of know what CJ is, but you look at some of these other guys like Jose Alvarado, who's like uh, a destruction on defense, but then out of nowhere, he can hit like seven, eight threes in the game, which is kind of surprising. You have a guy like Trey Murphy, who's a young 22-year-old coming out of Virginia a couple of years ago. He shoots like 41% from three this season. He's been really good, averaging about 13 points per game. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, you know, we kind of know what he is. He's like a solid, uh, veteran at this point for the Pelicans. Herbert Jones, really good defender. Um, so they have a very versatile team. Um, a lot of weapons on offense. Um, their defense has been better recently as well. Um, you know, so the Pelicans look really good. You go down here, some of these other teams, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Suns, kind of in a little bit of a cluster here, fighting for that second place. Um, the Nuggets... They're one of these teams that, again, it's like, can they get everyone healthy? Michael Porter Jr., ever since high school, has been dealing with huge injuries. He's been he's had so many injuries, but when he plays, he looks pretty good. He's a really good shooter, really great offensive player. Obviously, Jokic is, is the constant. He's the guy that's incredible at all times. He's having yet another really good season, creating for others, scoring, um, you know, doing all the things that he does. And now Jamal Murray, he's kind of slowly getting back into the mix. Obviously, he was hurt for a lot of last year. Um, so now he's coming back. He's he's not quite the same player yet, but you know, we did have a game, I think it was on Wednesday, where he hits the game winner in a in a win over the Portland Trail Blazers. The final score of that one was 121 to 120. You see like, oh, there's Jamal Murray. He's hitting big shots in the biggest moments. That is what we have seen from him in the past. And you're seeing hints of what Denver can be. Memphis Another team, really good. I, I really like this Memphis team. Right now, they're playing without Desmond Bain, but John Morant's been awesome. Jaron Jackson's back. He's playing really well. So a lot of teams. And then down in eighth place, another team that I think should be in this conversation of, like, I guess you can call them contenders, is the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. They probably they're, should be involved, yes. They probably should be involved. They're, despite the fact that they're 14 and 13, but that record, you can look at that record and you could say, well, what's happening with the Warriors? Well, it, the biggest thing is their depth. Their depth has been uh, bad throughout the entire season. They're not getting a lot of bench points. Um, the good thing for the Warriors is that Klay Thompson is playing much better. Last night, they had a huge win over the Boston Celtics. Once again, you know the Celtics cannot get their revenge against the Warriors. Um, they were able to hold Jason Tatum to a pretty poor night um, from the field. So Klay Thompson was awesome. He had 34 points. Jordan Poole starting to play better. 
And Steph Curry, I mean, he's been great really the whole season. I mean, he's if if the Warriors can go on a little bit of a run here, start to make their way toward the top, maybe Steph Curry has a case for MVP. So looking at the race right now, um, it, it's a big mix. I mean, again, the Warriors, just based on history, there's a level of trust I think a lot of people, including myself, have in them. Um, so by no means am I counting out the Warriors at all. I think they're very much in the mix. But I also, I think out of those other teams I mentioned, I mentioned the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and the Suns. I think, including the Warriors, that's kind of like a top five. I would cut off it as like a top five. Of those other four, the team I really actually like most is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Once they get Desmond Bain back, I think they are a really well-rounded, solid team. And they have a definitive star in John Morant that's already kind of proven what he can do in the playoffs. So... I like the Grizzlies a little bit more than some of these other teams like the Pelicans, Nuggets, Suns. But again, uh, it's it's very close, you know. So I think the Western Conference is going to be interesting to see how it continues to shake out. Uh, but uh, Ben, I, I guess if you're kind of looking at, you know, some of the like the Western Conference standings, like yep. what, what do you what kind of stands out to you most right now that you're seeing? I think this Western Conference is awesome. Because it's so different than what it what it's been the last couple of years. I mean, just the I mean, and I could sum that up just by saying the Golden State Warriors at number eight right now, Exhibit A, of how weird it's been. Um, but I would have never guessed if you would have told me in September that you'd have the Pelicans, the Kings, and even the Blazers, and all in the top six of of the Western Conference at this point. Because even even the Blazers, I know they have they have Dame, but they other than Dame, they haven't really had a whole lot in the last few years. Um, I think. This Western Conference is so interesting. Um, I mean, the Sacramento Kings, like, they haven't been good maybe ever. Uh, and, like, good for them. I know, I know we're only, like, a third, not even a third of the way through the season yet. But, I mean, this has got to be one of the better starts the Kings have had in a long time um, in, 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 in terms of their standings in their conference. So, it, it, it's just a lot of parity going on right now, which is all you ever ask for in sports is you want parity and you want unpredictability which is why sports are so fun because you have an idea of who's going to win these games but until the games are played you have no idea um or you ha- you you don't have assurance of it um so just the fact that you have i mean you got the Dallas Mavericks at 10 they have some dude named named Luka on their team so I'm, i i think that they are probably better than what a 10 seed would say and then you got the Utah Jazz who have been a top 3 team in the Western Conference for the last 3 4 years they're at number 9 um, and then, you, of course, you got the Clippers at seven. Like, it's just insane. All these kind of, quote-unquote, blue bloods are these these dominant, you know, year-to-year, these dominant teams in the Western Conference are not where we expected them to be going into this year. And you got teams like the Pelicans and even the Grizzlies to an extent and the Kings that are taking up these spots. Um, just super interesting. And I, I think the narrative of are these elite teams or the teams that we thought elite in the Western Conference, teams like the Warriors and the Jazz and the Clippers, um, and even the Suns, to an extent, are they going to be able to to claim those top spots by the end of the year? Or are we having kind of this new era, these new bloods, teams like the Grizzlies, who have shown a lot of promise last year, and obviously they have a star in, in Ja Morant, and the Pelicans, who have had you know all these weapons for years now, but now you finally have a healthy Zion, who looks like he knows how to play basketball again. Um, and you have the Kings with, I would imagine, like f- five top five draft picks on their team, because that's all they ever do is pick in like, the top five. Um, Super interesting. It's something that I'm absolutely going to be keeping an eye on moving forward is, is what is this going to look like? Are, are we going to get back to kind of teams batting their average in terms of by the end of the year, we're going to see you know the Clippers and, and the, the Warriors and the Suns and the Nuggets in the top four? Or are we going to see these, these, these teams kind of stay at the top dog in terms of the Pelicans and the Grizz and even, even the, uh, the Kings? So um, kind of wild, wild. Because when you look at the Eastern Conference, and I know we're talking about the Western Conference, when you look at the Eastern Conference, it's kind of predictable in terms of teams that you expect to be up there. You got the Celtics, the Bucks, you got the Nets and in the in the Sixers all in the top five over there. So this Western Conference, a lot of parity and a lot of good teams and a lot of stars um, that are, that are going to be battling for not a lot of of spots there at the top. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I, I love the we we may have to do like a segment of like who are the NBA blue bloods, and we might have to like yeah. create them. Maybe we pick like six teams or something. And then we just kind of oversee it. Maybe we do it like once every year or something. I, I think that would be fun to do. But yeah, the West is very interesting. I didn't even really talk about the Kings. They're 14 and 10. Um, they've been super fun. De'Aaron Fox has been more efficient. Um, you know, they got they got other guys on their team that have been really good. Obviously, Keegan Murray, the rookie, 
you know, he's had a really solid start to the season. Um, you got Sabonis obviously coming over from Indiana in the trade. He's been really solid for their team. So Sacramento, they're, they're another team that, you know, they, they play together. Uh, they play as a team. They move the ball. They've been really solid. So, um, you know, I, I didn't even talk about the Blazers or the Clippers either. Obviously, the Clippers, a big thing, you know, even more so than the Nuggets is going to be injuries. Kawhi's only played like seven games. And I, I will say just, you know, I'm pretty concerned actually about like Kawhi just really ever being fully healthy, to be honest with you. Um, so that's why they include the Clippers in like that yeah. group of contenders, just because like I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be fully healthy, to be honest. But uh, that's, I, I think that's pretty much it for the NBA today, um, it, unless you had anything else, Ben. No, I think we can keep it moving. Again, the NBA has been interesting, and it's going to continue to be interesting for the rest of this year. All right, awesome. So finally, we get to the NFL. Obviously, we're, we're getting closer to the end of the season. We're getting closer to the playoffs here. Um, and let's start off with some takeaways from the previous week. Um, ben, I'll open this, this up to you, obviously. Uh, you know, we kind of talked to Bre- you talked briefly about the Bengals and Chiefs. I would imagine that would be the biggest, and it is, it's the biggest storyline of what happened uh, last week. But any other things you want to talk about from uh, last week? Yeah, again, I already gave my, my spiel on the Bengals. Um, and I think that's more of the Bengals played well than the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs should have any reason for concern there. Um, other takeaways, I mean, Eagles-Titans. Eagles completely destroy the Titans. And I don't know if that's a matter of the Eagles are really good, which they are, or the Titans are not that good, which is also probably true. The Titans have the benefit of being in a terrible division that they can go 8 or But they could probably go 8-9 and, and win that division. So, um that that's that's a notable notable result of of last week is just the Titans continuing to struggle down the stretch here. They now they've lost you know they lost to the uh, the Bengals two weeks ago. They lost to the Eagles last week, um, and the Eagles continuing to kind of roll. They have one blemish on their on their record, which was the Commanders, who at the time seemed like a bad loss, but now it's really not a bad loss at all actually. Um, so there's that. The only other thing I'll mention is the 49ers Dolphins was kind of that. I think Bengals and Chiefs was kind of universally kind of the best game last week, or it was viewed as the best game. That 49ers-Dolphins game was right up there in terms of the hype around it. In the 49ers, yes, Jimmy G gets hurt. And now you got Brock Purdy. You got a seventh-round draft pick, the last pick in the draft, that they're going to try to have lead this team uh, into the playoffs. But I think more than anything, what that showed is that the 49ers are legit, which we knew, and that defense is absolutely a top three defense in the NFL, Trevor. And I think you would agree with me because you said this earlier. It's probably not two or three. It's probably number one. Um, and the Dolphins, even though they, they lost by, you know, by, by multiple scores in this game, I still think that they're a fantastic team. I'm not as high on them as I think a lot of people are, but I can absolutely acknowledge that with, with a healthy Tua, they have been, um, completely rolling through their schedule. So, um, those are, those are my takeaways again. Those, those were the bigger games from, from last week. Um, I think a lot of outcomes that we kind of expected from last week. Um, but I think last week was a really good week in terms of, we're now we're absolutely starting to see the strong foundations for who's in, who's out, what are these seeds going to look like? Because I think there were the couple the, the couple big games that we had last week kind of gave us an idea of what direction these teams are moving headed for, which teams are on the rise, which teams are, are struggling down the stretch. Um, and again, we're one week close to the playoffs. We're now smarter in terms of where we have one more week of sample size that we can evaluate these teams based off of. Yeah, so I, I I guess I want to point out one takeaway because I agree with pretty much you know everything you said, but I have a more general takeaway on I think previously we've always thought like the AFC is definitely the better conference and yeah. the team that comes out of the AFC is probably going to win the Super Bowl. I think my biggest takeaway is that I'm not so sure that's the case anymore as far as yeah. the team that wins the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl because I think there are... I think all three of the contenders in the NFC, which to me, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Niners, I think I'm more impressed with all three of them after last week. Um, The Eagles, as you mentioned, a 35 to 10 win over the Titans. I think this is the game that I have been most impressed by the Eagles. Previously, I would have had them third in the NFC, which maybe is an unpopular opinion. I would have had them behind the Cowboys and the Niners. Um, and NFC, I don't know if that's the case anymore because they, I mean, the Titans, again, we can, we can talk about how like the Titans, maybe they're not legit. Maybe they're not pretenders. I think that usually stems from like maybe Ryan Tannehill, maybe the coach, yeah. like usually something related to the offense is what it is. Yep. But their defense, if you look, 
the Titans' defense is, has been awesome the entire year. The most points they... I mean, they did give up 41 points to the Bills that, back in September. That did happen. But other than, other than that, you know, playing against some of these other teams with really good quarterbacks, really good offenses, the Chiefs, for example, only scored 20 points against the Titans in an overtime game. Your Cincinnati Bengals, Ben, only scored 20 yep. against the Titans. The Titans have a really good defense, and the Eagles scored 35 points on them. Jalen Hurts yeah. threw three touchdown passes, um, threw for 380 yards in this game, no interceptions. And and you look at this, I mean, the, the passing game of the Eagles, being able to uh, completely, I mean, it wasn't even like the running game, which is what we typically, the Eagles, it's kind of what their identity has been more this season, but they did it in a different way. They won in a different way against the Titans, and that's really impressive to me. It shows that the Eagles are more, even more versatile than I already thought they were which looking toward the playoffs is very important. It's very important that you're able to throw the ball, throw the ball downfield in, you know, uh, different situations. And the Eagles now having a big game like this. And I get that this isn't the first time Jalen Hurts has had an awesome passing game. I know he's had quite a few other really good passing games. But this one was absolutely, like, phenomenal, I think, from Jalen Hurts. Um, and I, I'm just very impressed by that. The Cowboys, obviously, um, they, they continue to impress me. Again, I get the the Cowboys' reputation. It's always like they're going to find a way to disappoint you. But everything they've shown me has been – I've been impressed. They they put up 54 points on – I know the Colts are – they're not good. I know I know that. But scoring 54 points in an NFL game is very impressive. And then, you know, obviously we, we know what the Niners did against the Dolphins. Uh, really limited to a Tagovailoa. Really limited that fast Dolphins uh, offense only to 17 points in this one. Beat them 33-17. So all three of those teams look very good, and I wouldn't be surprised if any one of those three won the Super Bowl. I get that Brock Purdy's the quarterback of the Niners, but the Niners are one of these teams. They're so well coached. They have such a good defense. I I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if the Niners won the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be. Um, yeah. So I I, yeah, I agree but, with you, dude. I do. I I completely agree with you. I think the 49ers are fantastic. Um. I think we put a lot of emphasis on the quarterback, which we should. I think it's the most important position in sports. But um, that defense is so good. And Jimmy G's a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player. But let's be honest. If, if there was a quarterback, a quarterback that you wanted to, to lose for, for the year, like I think most teams would, would be okay with losing Jimmy G over a lot of other quarterbacks. So I'm not saying that it's, gonna, it's, it's, gonna be, it's not going to be a, a big step down from Jimmy G to, to Brock Purdy, but I do think that there's, there's, there'd be a lot bigger of, of drop-downs from other quarterbacks to Brock Purdy than Jimmy G to, to Brock Purdy. So I do think the 49ers, yes, they took a hit, but they're good enough to overcome that adversity. I 100% believe that. Yeah, J- Jimmy G is, is better than Brock Purdy, but Jimmy G's replaceable. He's not... Absolutely. Yeah, that's, it is and he it wasn't is the replaceable. starter at the beginning of the year anyway. He was a backup quarterback going into this year, so it's not like you lost this exactly. top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He was already a backup to start. Yeah, 100%. So I think that's going to be interesting to see as, you know, as we continue. But yeah, I think the top of the NFC is stronger than what we perceived it as earlier in the season. Um, but next up, we have our cross-off. Uh, you know, we, we did get some of Brandon's opinions on this. I think he agreed um with we had, we had a couple of different picks i was kind of looking at three different teams ben and um those three teams you can add any teams if you want but i was looking at the arizona cardinals the new orleans saints and the cleveland browns i think all valid cross-offs but my instinct says the arizona cardinals um they're four and eight uh you know they haven't been playing very well i i th- kind of think it's their time what do you think no i agree i i mean it's it's been a terrible year for them you know, all year they it's been it's been awful for and they've they've had issues with with Kyler Murray going into the season. You Cliff Kingsbury seems like he's going to get fired because Kyler Murray's taking shots at him, saying that schematically their their team is a as a mess right now. Um, four and eight in the NFC, you're not going to make it. I know the NFC we we you know quote unquote is 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 not as strong as the AFC, but I mean even you going nine and eight, I mean they'd have to win out to even have a chance probably to 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 make a playoffs. Um, Cross them out. I'm I'm tired of I'm tired of this Kyler Murray discourse. I'm tired of the Cliff Cliff Kingsbury discourse. Cross them out. I'm tired of hearing about the cards. I I want to forget about them for the rest of this year. All right, Arizona Cardinals are gone. Um, next up we have SBP bets. 
Um, obviously, we have you know a few different bets. We have our overall scoring average bet. Um, I, I don't know exactly what what the uh, what we all guessed, but I know Ben, you were looking most likely to win. Um, do you have the scoring average um, right now in the NFL? Yes, I do, Trevor. And I, I think so. The the points you were twenty two point what seven nine something like that. I think I, think I was like twenty two point four, and Brandon was like oh that's right he nine or I don't know he was up there. I don't know I I was the I had the lowest I was twenty two point two. Um, the scoring average is still twenty one point nine. I think that was what it was last week and maybe even the week before. It's seeming like because now you have such a big sample size and it's just going to continue to get bigger every week. Um, this number is kind of slowly starting to lock into place. So I'm very confident that I'm probably going to win that bet. Uh, in terms of the average point scored per team per game, it's looking like it's going to be right around you know an even twenty-two. Uh, other bets that we had, Brandon, uh, he, him, and you were what Eagles versus or not Eagles, um, Panthers Lions. versus Lions. What are the yeah. what are those records, Trevor? Do you have the the records? So I know the, it's close. Yeah, so the the Lions right now are five and seven. The Panthers are four and eight. I do think. I will admit the Lions do have a slight edge simply because they have one more win. But I think that I think they play on Christmas Eve. I think Carolina is the home team in that one. The Lions Panthers play on uh, Christmas Eve. I think it might come down to that game. I think that game could be the difference because, as we said back in when we originally announced these bets, if there is a tie, if the teams have the same record, they play each other, and the tiebreaker yes. will be whoever wins the head-to-head game. So I think that game will have a lot of, uh, I think it will be very important. Yes, absolutely. You, you guys might be the only two uh, people watching that game because I can't imagine the, the, the casual NFL fans going to tune in for a Lions-Panthers game. Um, but the other bets, uh, Trevor, me and you had Joe Burrow touchdowns versus Tom Brady touchdowns. Uh, Joe Burrow still with the lead by nine. It's 20, 25 to 16. Joe Burrow has the advantage over Tom Brady there. Again, I, I still can't believe that Tom Brady only has 16 touchdown passes. What are we, 12, 13 games into this season? Uh, it's been wild. We haven't talked about them, but they're not a good team. And I don't I don't care about – you can tell me all you want yeah. how Tom Brady's fantastic because he, he led them down the field and won the game, but he looked like crap for most of the game there. Um, he did. Yeah, it, I, it, I don't have to tell anyone more than you, Trevor. Trust me, you know you watch all their games. Uh, <laughs> Brandon versus me. Uh, we I had Josh Allen touchdown passes. Brandon had Justin Herbert touchdown passes. I've had the lead all year because Herbert's been hurt, but it, the gap is closing. It, it was seven, I think, last week, or maybe six. It is now five. Josh Allen has twenty-five. Herbert has twenty. Um, and I said last week I would not be surprised if Herbert got this back down to even or within one or two because he's a freak athlete and he's that good. Now it seems like his receivers are slowly getting healthier. So. Um, again, I, I've had the lead in most of these all year. It'd be a shame if I lose the lead here at the end, but, um, it's the NFL. Who knows? Anything can happen. I would not be surprised if any of these races are closer than what they are currently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I think it, it's kind of looking like you're going to win all three then. It really is. Um, I hope so. I mean, knock on wood. I would love to, but we'll see. Which means that you're going to be feasting at the end of the season. Brandon and I will have to buy you oh. some dinners. Um, yeah, you're, you're going to be feasting for sure, it seems like. Um, last thing we have for today, uh, just you know, looking at some of today's games. Obviously, um, on Thursday, we had uh, the Rams with Baker Mayfield coming in off of like not even, I don't even think he practiced. I think this was maybe, I don't know, two days after he got cleaned by the Rams off of waivers. He comes in, he leads the game-winning drive, and, uh, you know, people are saying, people are saying, you know, is Baker Mayfield, <laughs> was he all along the best quarterback in the AFC North? I don't know, yeah, Ben. I'm sure they are. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they are, and, and I mean, I'm happy for the Browns fans that, that, said, that had to, you know, tweet that in my face for two years, how they, they were insistent that he's the best quarterback in the AFC North, because I'll tell you what, the, the quarterback on Thursday night... Looked like he maybe had a shot to have that title, but uh, the issue is when he was on the Browns and the Panthers. Um, the issue was when he was on the Browns and the Panthers, we did not see that very often. So, I don't know. Whatever. He, he, I like Baker Mayfield. He's a cool dude to root for, but he has not shown a whole lot of promise the last couple of years in the NFL. Yeah, that was one of the like best. Um, I, again, I didn't watch the whole game, but just like that specific drive, like he showed some things that I haven't really seen from him before. I was... I gotta say, I was I was kind of impressed by it. Um, but they get the win. I mean, both those teams are probably you know 
probably both out of the playoffs. But anyway, today, looking at the slate, um, I think there's quite a few really good games. Um, looking at, we have Dolphins-Chargers Sunday night game. That is certainly um, important for the AFC playoff race. Obviously, the Chargers are kind of on the bubble right now. And the Dolphins, I don't think they're a guarantee for the playoffs. I mean, right now, they're certainly... Uh, Slay is a playoff team. They're eight and four. They look like they're going to make it, but I don't think it's a guarantee necessarily. So I think that game very important for the playoff race. Um, obviously, we have Eagles Giants here um, as a 1 p.m. Eastern start. That'll be interesting. Eagles going to MetLife Stadium. Uh, Bucks Niners. Personally, I don't think this is actually a very good game. Um, but you know, typically, I mean, I guess maybe other people would include it. Bucks Niners. Um, I don't know. Those are kind of the games I'm looking at. Jets-Bills is another one. Pretty interesting there. The Jets defense has been solid uh, going against the Bills. Any other games that you're looking at here that you're really excited for, Ben? I mean, Lions-Vikings, I cannot believe that the Lions are a favorite in that game. The disrespect to the Vikings, but honestly, I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't respect the Vikings. I don't respect Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. Maybe that's mean to say, but it's the same thing with like the Titans and Tannehill. It's just hard for me to have any faith in them when you have an average quarterback like that leading a, a pretty solid team. So um, I'd love to see the Lions win. I know, Trevor, you don't want to see the Lions win, but the Lions beating the Vikings today I think would be hilarious for a lot of people because of how down everyone is on the Vikings. And how Vikings fans, they've had, they've had to work so hard this year to defend their team. And losing to the Lions um, when the Lions are favored is, is not going to be a good look for them. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game just because I think it'd be hilarious to try to watch Vikings fans try to scramble to uh, – protect their team if they were to lose this game today against the Lions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think that's another good game that you pointed out there because I think that will be a close game. I mean, the Vikings, you know, they are 10-2, and two, but a lot of these wins are nail-biters. They pull them out uh, barely, so I, I expect this to be a very close game. All right, um, Trevor, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up here? I think, as always, without Brandon, we had a fantastic episode today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Had a lot of fun. Got to talk about some, you know, basketball, some football. Um, it was a very fun episode. Obviously, we have the World Cup going on, too. Uh, maybe, you know, when we get to that, maybe we could have Josh come on to recap. We had quite a few really fun games. I mean, I watched a little bit of that Argentina versus Netherlands game. That was super fun. Mm -hmm. uh, very dramatic ending. Yes, we need to get, when the World Cup wraps up, we need to get Josh on just to wrap everything up because we don't do the sport of soccer justice in terms of our knowledge. I can act like I know some stuff, but I watch it, like I said a couple weeks ago, I watch it essentially once every four years. So that is our promise to you that at some point we will get the soccer encyclopedia Josh Baskin, who, fun fact, just face tried to FaceTime me like five minutes ago. I don't know why. Um, he tried to FaceTime me while we were recording. But we will get him on um, this podcast to wrap, to wrap up the World Cup because he would do such a better job of that than, than myself, Trevor, or Brandon, uh, for that matter. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. As always, uh, make sure you small you uh, follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller. Make sure you're keeping up with our website that Brandon and Trevor have worked so hard um, to design. I I have not done anything on the website, so I'm not going to take credit. But make sure you're keeping up with our, uh, Trevor is actively posting articles. Brandon has been actively posting articles. They're killing it in terms of those, giving you guys as much pon uh, content as possible to um, to look at. Uh, so we will we will, we promise that we will continue to put effort into that website. Um, but I will stop talking. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Falcons.